Hi, I'm Kendra Corman, the host of Imperfect Marketing. If you're a solopreneur, small business owner, or a marketer, you know marketing is far from a perfect science. And that's why this podcast is called Imperfect Marketing. Here you will hear from marketing experts and successful business owners about their marketing tips and, of course, their lessons learned along the way. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Imperfect Marketing. Today, I'm really excited, and I'm going to be reading for a second here, to welcome Amy L. Bernstein. She writes stories that let readers feel while making them think. Her novels include the, all right, I might mess this up, Potrero Complex? You you got it. (laughs) Okay. Which was a finalist for the 2020 Petrichor Prize. Right. I'm trying to trying to pronounce some of these. The award winning The Night Hawkers, Dreams of Song Times, and Fran the Second Time Around. Amy is an award winning journalist, speechwriter, playwright, and certified nonfiction book coach. So I'm looking forward to learning more about that. She teaches workshops on various aspects of the craft of writing. She is an engaging conversationalist, an attentive listener. She loves inspiring others to unlock their inner artist and explore all aspects of writing, publishing, and taking creative risks every day. Welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kendra. I am so glad to be here with you. Let's start off with what is a book coach? Yes. Well, so book coaching can take many different forms, but in general, There are three things a book coach does on behalf of an author, whether they're working in fiction or nonfiction or memoir. So, for example, a book coach helps the author discover her deepest why. Why is she writing this book? Why now? Why does this matter to her? Because without a clear why, it's hard to know what you're writing about. The second thing a book coach does is provide structure for the writer's process. And this means helping the writer to shape a story, identify major developments, define the scope, understand the beginning, the middle, and the end. So a good coach helps to bring shape to the shapeless. And the third thing that a book coach can do is to be both a champion and an accountability partner for the writer. And I put these two roles together because they're so interconnected. Many writers get discouraged by how hard it is to research, plan, and write a book. And your coach will remind you why you matter as a writer, why this work matters, why you want to go through all this agony, and they'll help you stay motivated. And part of that involves giving you deadlines, goals, and milestones along the way. Because a writer who can track her progress is less likely to give up than one who feels stuck. All right. I like that. So I think coaches are really important. Now, keep in mind that I used to be a person that was like, oh, yeah, an executive coach at a company is great, but I don't need a coach for my business because I know what I'm doing. Right. But I think that we're so close to what we're doing or what we're creating. You know, it's our baby. And it's hard to take a step back to be able to to craft the right messages. You know, all the people I know that have written books, they always have the issue with cutting, right? So they need a good editor and because every they they pour themselves into the book. And so making edits and changing direction or tweaking direction is really hard for people to do. Is it do you find that? Oh, it's absolutely true. And you said something also so true, which is, you know, with our own work, we do get too close to it. And we sometimes 
get to thinking that, well, I'm the expert and I know best and no one can tell me how to do this better or differently. And when the truth is that, you know, another set of eyes and frankly, another brain and another point of view brings so much valuable context and perspective that helps us kind of get out of our own way. And that's the kind of thing that really good coaching can help to do. The coach is not there to tell you what to do and even exactly how to do it but they are there to sort of help you see your own path and get out of the way of your own problems. I think that that is such a valuable thing to do. So whether it's a book coach or a business coach, whatever it happens to be, again, we're just so close to earn stuff. I have meetings with my business coach regularly and I'm always saying, well, yeah, of course, that's the way it would be if I wasn't so close to it. <laughs> and then I'm able to tweak direction and just become a better version of what I'm doing, which is very cool. Let's talk a little bit about busy entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, coaches, consultants. I mean, I think I hear all the time that everybody could benefit from a book. Mm -hmm. So tell me why somebody that's really busy should write a book. Right. And I think, you know, my position on this is maybe it's not really quite everybody, but it's more about figuring out whether you're one of the people who should. So for me, this gets back to finding your why, which I mentioned a moment ago for nonfiction, especially. So let's talk about nonfiction. So you need to ask yourself some hard questions. Do you enjoy mentoring others? Do you want to help pull people up a ladder you've already climbed? Do you think you've learned life lessons worth sharing? Are you an expert in something the world needs more of? There's a strong why for you as a writer is going to motivate you to do the work. But then there's also the strategic side, the more sort of cold-hearted planning, canny side, right? Are you seeking to build credibility in your field? Do you want to be a thought leader? Do you want to get speaking gigs? Will your book serve as a marketing or a recruitment tool for your business? Are you somebody who wants to build a brand like Kara Swisher, the podcaster? So these are all reasons to consider writing a nonfiction book. I like what you said. You got to determine if you're one of the people that should write a book because not everybody should write a book. You know, again, everybody's always saying, and I, I hate saying the word everybody, but I think I've heard it like 10 times in the last couple of weeks. People are saying, you should write a book or this person wrote a book and it's really helped their business. But I think it comes down to what message do you want to share with people and is a book the right option for you? Exactly. It really does keep coming back to the why because this is not an easy journey and you need to be really clear about and honest about your motives. And frankly, if, if you want to write a book that you're going to publish yourself and that you have a huge network of, of folks that you can sell that book to built sort of built in, well, that's terrific. So maybe that book is going to help you make money and raise the profile of your business. But just be very clear that that's what you're doing it for. And that's, of course, only one reason among many. Oh, yeah. No, there's a definitely a lot of reasons to write a book. And as a marketing tool, it's fantastic. Again, backing up what you said about getting speaking gigs and, you know, sharing your story and helping mentor people to get where you got so that they can skip some of the pitfalls that you found, maybe. For right? sure. One of my favorite reasons for writing a nonfiction book is I call it the sort of the bursting the bubble syndrome or being a contrarian, like to look out at the world or your part of the world and say, you know what, everybody's got this wrong, this thing, they're wrong about it. They're doing it wrong. They're thinking about it wrong. Here's what we really need to be doing about X. Here's the right way to think about it. And you're kind of going against received wisdom or conventional wisdom and giving people a new perspective. I love that 
that idea coming at a book from that perspective, which is another way of thinking about it. It's not just confirming what everybody knows or even confirming kind of what you know in a received context of knowledge and information, but like, nope, there's another way to, to think about this out there and I'm going to try and convince everybody. <laughs> no, I think that that's good. So let's talk a little bit about someone that just starts writing the book. Yeah. What should they expect? I heard a lot of people are self-publishing now. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? What does it mean? What if somebody wanted to have a publisher pay them for something? Is Like, is that different? So what yeah, can good, you share? Good, and good luck with that. Well, I really give clients, even before my clients, quite a dose of tough love on some of this because I can say hands down that writing a book is harder than you think. And it's possibly one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And that's because becoming an author taps into skills that may not be your strongest. I mean, you didn't go to the writer's workshop in Iowa. You may not have been an English literature major. You may not even read very much. You've got other talents and other abilities and skills. And yet here you are stepping into this world where we're talking about putting words on the page. It's hard. So a coach can really help you with that, but it's also going to take longer than you think to write a book. You're not going to crank this out in 90 days. I'm sorry, but you are not. <laughs> An aspiring author in nonfiction really does have to have a patient mindset, and you have to believe in that old adage that it really is a marathon and not a sprint. And, you know, when it comes to the the publishing process itself, there are more options out there than many people realize or expect. There are black and white areas and there are some gray areas. And there's almost an option to fit everyone's needs and desires, which is something that many coaches will work on with you as well. Your path to publishing is one of the aspects I really enjoy, actually. There's very different considerations that drive whether you want to shop a professional nonfiction proposal to agents and publishers in the highly competitive commercial side of the business or other end of the spectrum. You know, you want to hire someone to design a cover for you, to format the inside of the book for you, to print the book for you, and then you want to use leverage your own marketing muscle to sell and promote that book. I mean, they're different decisions, and I really don't believe it's not about one being better than the other or one being right and one being wrong. It all comes down to what's right for that writer, given that writer's circumstances and what their hopes and dreams are for the book. Okay. How do you help somebody determine which path to go down for themselves? That's a decision that I like my authors not to make at the outset of our work together. Because if you're starting with someone who doesn't even quite have their why yet, like what are they writing about? Who are they writing for? It's very important to be clear about who your reader is. What is this thing shaped like? What does the table of contents look like? What are the comparable titles? What shelf does your book belong on in the bookstore or the library? Until you work through all of these issues, how you publish it is almost beside the point. So I consider that the kind of thing that I like to table. Now, sometimes someone can come to you and they have an extremely strong feeling about this already. You know, I want an agent. I want to deal with a top five publisher. And that's fine. But it really is a goal and it's aspirational. There are no guarantees in publishing like, like most things. And I don't think that that's the productive end of the stick to focus on. Let's focus on making really, really good, compelling work and then see where it needs to land. Again, in line with what your expectations are, but your expectations as a writer might also change over time. 
You said that it's a long process. It's not, you know, how to write a book in 90 days. So how do you go about writing a book? Like what time investment are you looking at? Right. Let me give you an example straight from the traditional nonfiction route, because it's the easiest way to explain this. In the traditional nonfiction route, a literary agent out in the marketplace who's a broker between the author and a publisher, or even a publisher who's willing to accept material from an author without an agent, and there are many reputable ones that do, they are going to ask for your quote-unquote proposal. So what the author needs to have prepared, and this is where a book coach can really help, and this is one of the areas that I will just say that I consider kind of a specialty, is putting together this really strong nonfiction proposal where you lay out, it's a sales document, essentially. You're laying out your idea, what is this book? Why now? Why is it important? Why am I qualified to write it? And then a lot of other components go with that. You share a marketing plan for the book, your ideas about how it will be marketed. You share a lot of comparable titles that you've researched to say, you know, what world am I living in with this book? What are the other books that are like it? You obviously are sharing a biography. You do some audience analysis so that explaining, here's who I really think this book is for. Here's how those audiences sort of break down. You know, this is for chefs in small restaurants across America. That's a primary market. Secondary market might be experienced home cooks. So you're dividing up who your marketplace is and who your reader, likely readers are. So there are a number of things that go into this proposal document. It's a fairly templated affair. Most agents and publishers want more or less the same components. And then there's the parts that take a lot of time. They want to see your table of contents annotated, by which I mean, how do those chapters break out and give me a two, three line description for each chapter? Because I want to see how the story flows overall. I want to see how you move me through this journey. I want to see that you've really thought this through, that you're going to be able to put meat on the bones. And then finally, they're going to ask you for almost always for two sample chapters that you really will have to have written and polished. The good news in all this is that in nonfiction, you do not have to have written the entire book. In fiction, you do. You got to have the whole novel. In nonfiction, you don't. But there's all this run up that I'm talking about. And believe me, this usually takes months. That sounds like almost like it's a marketing plan for your book. I mean, outside of like the actual promotion of it, but it's your target audience. It's your whole process. It's really getting down to the important details of what your book is going to be about. It's almost like business plan, marketing plan for what it is that you're doing. It really is. I mean, I call it a sales document because I always want the writer to remember this is an competitive external facing piece of communication. But you're right. I mean, it is a mini business plan for your book. The publishing world is looking to see what's going to set you apart from, from everybody else. Have you really thought it through? Do you really have a handle on this? Do you have the know-how, the knowledge, the, the insider you know, expertise? Because it's not about throwing some spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks because mm -hmm. that's just not how this goes. You really want to catch somebody's eye with this document. I've been seeing a lot of people writing books. I have friends that have written books, people that I follow on social media or listen to their podcasts that have written books. It feels like it's continuing to gain in popularity, like it's spiked in the last year or two. Is that what you're experiencing and seeing? Publishing is more democratic, with small d, democratic than it has ever been in the history of the world going back to, you know, Gutenberg and, you know, the, the printing press and all that stuff. A lot of that is because the technology is now in our hands as individuals 
to publish at will. I can put a book together. If I have the, the contents, I can have a book formatted inside of an hour and I can use a public domain art for my cover. I mean, there's not the same secret sauce or rocket science to it that there used to be because the means of publishing is virtually in anyone's hands. Millions of people are publishing themselves. Now, it's not all good work because when by allowing people to publish, that doesn't mean that they've engaged a top-notch editor or what we call beta readers, which are people who are going to give you a really critical, well-thought-out review of, of the book before you publish it. People are just pushing stuff out there. So, you do have to keep that in mind. There's, there are more books out there than ever, but quality still should rise to the top. And that's why it's worth taking the care to write something with quality. Yeah, it's all about value, I think, in anything that we do. So if you're not doing something with quality, you should really think about whether or not it's worth doing. And because if you're going to do something, do it well, right? Let's get back to, you know, for an entrepreneur or, or a business owner or someone who wants to sort of develop a thought leadership profile or build brand. I mean, quality is going to reflect back on you as the author, right? What version of yourself are you putting out into the world? You want to put your smartest self out there. You want to put your sort of sharpest self out there. So you really want to take the time to, to hone and polish that so that it serves you well. I think, I mean, there's a lot to take away from that. You know, you need to know what category your book is going. You need to identify who your audience is. You need to take a look at what your process is. Think about each chapter and what its purpose is. That sales document, that proposal is probably core to starting anything, whether you're going to self-publish or try to market it to agents or wherever, right? Yes. It's, it's about always seeing all the options that are on the table. And, you know, sometimes people will come to me or heal about them coming to a coach where they just made up their mind about how they want to publish. But keep an open mind because the, the path that's right for you may not be the one that you think is right for you. It really is about keeping sort of goals in mind and matching that to the right outcome. Let me ask you this question. So somebody decides that they're going to write a book. They've written the book. You've got it. It's go getting ready to be edited and then we're going to be going to print. We've picked a launch date. How far in advance do you start marketing the book? That is a question that's open to so much debate because there is a school of thought that says, you know, you need to start planning your campaign a year before your book comes out. I will say from personal experience that that doesn't work. People have short attention spans. Social media has an incredible, has the, you know, the attention span of a fly, right? So it really works better to think about a kind of a, well, I mean, I did work with a publicist on sort of a six month plan, but really I feel like you're talking about like a four to six week build up and blitz, especially if you're relying on social media. Now, the caveat to that is, if you're someone who engages a publicist, a pretty high-end publicist, who is going to get you on Good Morning America and that type of thing, you do need to work your booking schedules. You need to back it up. You're, you're going to have to approach those people much, much earlier on in the process. But that's a very specific niche of people. Those are people with a high-powered agent, a literary agent, uh, probably a big five uh, publisher, one of the really big ones, that level of attention and engagement. Many, many, many of us, millions of us aren't doing it quite that way. And so, you know, this four, six week build up and blitz, have a mailing list, have your social media really sort of primed and ready, have some really great eye catching graphics, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of other steps that you can do. But I feel that something short and intense often is more effective around a launch than thinking about doing it a year ahead of time. Building on that, I've been hearing 
some people on social media say that you the it's really about the pre-sales of the book to get like rated on like the top sales and things like that. How much does, do you know how much that factors into what people are doing? I have a friend who does a tremendous amount of nonfiction ghost writing, and she's always telling me, and, and I'm not in that world, but she's always telling me that things like the USA Today bestseller list, the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, which are listing non- nonfiction books, it's all gamed because sometimes an author is buying back hundreds and hundreds of their own book to sell, and they, it might bump them up. Sometimes it's very niche. It's incredibly niche. Like, for example, you might have the best-selling book about how to be an excellent plumber. Well, it's going to be a pretty narrow niche. You might be the only book you know, in that niche, and it's kind of a stupid example. But there's ways of kind of gaming those systems. And so pre-sales, I don't know. This is going to get into our question about marketing lessons learned. <laughs> Because to me, things like that get down to what really matters here. Gaming numbers and creating a perception, people do that. You can do that. Or having authentic engagement with readers to whom your work really matters. You can play both sides of that game. But I think it really depends on where you are on the spectrum of high-end commercial work, whether you're going to have the capacity to game those lists like on USA Today and and, uh, Wall Street Journal. All right. Well, good to know. So you sort of transitioned us a little bit into my final question that I ask all of my guests. This show is called Imperfect Marketing because as we all know, marketing is anything but perfect. So what has been your greatest marketing lesson learned? Well, first of all, there's probably many, 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 but I did pick one. (laughs) And I have really learned the hard way. And I think probably many other people have too. There is no substitute for authentic engagement and connection with real humans or cohorts of humans. You cannot email or DM your way to success. You can't succeed because you put out a newsletter or because you blog. It really is about finding and somehow making connection. It can be done. I do a lot of that now through uh, teaching mostly courses online and meeting so many writers around the world. And, you know, we really make these connections. And those are folks who are going to be more inclined to buy my books because we've gotten to know each other. And, you know, I I learned this many times over, but I I remember one experience in particular where I direct messaged someone on LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn. I sent a direct message to someone that I had met perhaps once. She was geographically in my area. We had overlapped loosely in a, in a professional setting. And, you know, I, I just knew she was a great person to try and that she should, she should write a nonfiction book. I DM'd her and she didn't respond. Even though I was coming from a place of legitimate inquiry, I really actually would be a have been a tremendous coach for her. I mean, it's not, there was nothing bad or 100% improper or false about what I was doing. It's that it's not a connection. You can't just slide into the DMs and people do it to me all the time and I completely ghost them. It's awful. And I'm thinking, why did I do that? And I did it because I wanted to make that connection with her. I wanted her to respond. I wanted her to recognize, yes, we met once. Yes, I'm going to listen to you. Tell me why you'd be a great book coach and, you know, why I want to persuade you to write a nonfiction book. I think I wanted to do that, but I didn't go about it the right way. You know, I just did not. So I think it's tempting, but we can't succeed that way. Marketing is about relationships. Mm-hmm. That's why that authenticity, that's why that value is just so important to everything that we do and put together. 
And I agree with you. I actually went through my LinkedIn posts earlier this morning before we were recording. There were a lot of DMs saying, hey, thanks for connecting because they wrote some personal note or I met them before. I'd like to talk to you about your financial management. And I'm like, that was the first thing that we did was the connection. Now you want to sell me something? I don't even know you. And it's like, yep, yeah, nope, delete, ignore, 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 ignore. You got to make those authentic connections with people because you can't just go into the DMs and start selling. I mean, I was actually, I someone reached out to me recently to be a guest on my podcast. And I love it when people reach out to me to be a guest on the podcast and tell me what value they could add to the audience. His response was, I came across your podcast, I think I would make a great fit. Check out my bio and let me know what you think. I'm like, um, no, <laughs> I know nothing about you. You didn't tell me anything that you do. Why? You didn't tell me how the value you could bring to my audience. You want me to do all of that work. And it's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. You're so right, Kendra. And actually, I'm really glad you said that because I love being on podcasts because the, the moment like what we're in is about making a connection with somebody. And I love that. And the conversation. And I love that. And so when I'm reaching out to a podcast host, I'm hoping that they can just get a little glimpse of who I, who I am and what I am excited to talk about because you want to make that connection. And, you know, the truth is that connecting with people the way we're talking about, it's not easy. It's not fast. You can't necessarily do it in, in high numbers. You know, it's so much easier to like buy a Facebook, an expensive Facebook ad campaign and think that you're reaching 10,000 people. By and large, it doesn't work. Obviously, it works for some people some of the time. By and large, it doesn't work. You're just not, there's too much like that out there and you're just not making that, that authentic connection with somebody. No, a Facebook campaign is a great way to start building connections. It gives you more reach outside of your network. But then again, it's about building that no like and trust factor. It always is. I tell people all the time, I was like, all right, let me tell you about what you need to work on. And when I tell them what they need to work on, usually it's stuff related to that's going to take time and effort and has them reaching out to people and calling people or setting up meetings because that's the most effective way to do it. May not be the most efficient, but it's the most effective. It's not the most efficient. We want to hide behind our social media and like just, you know, we wish the bots could do it all for us, but it's just, it just doesn't work that way. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being a guest on Imperfect Marketing. I really appreciate it. I hope that any of you aspiring artists out there, writers uh, who are considering a book, will take a minute to think through what Amy talked about. We'll have our contact information in the show notes if you want to check it out or the description below if you're watching this on YouTube. Again, I think you need to take a, a minute to think about whether or not writing a book is the right thing in the next step for you and your business, because it may be. It also may not be. So again, think about your why and why you would want to write the book and what's in it for your audience and who they are. If you've learned anything today, it would really help me out if you would rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or go ahead and ring the bell and subscribe inside of YouTube. We'd love to have you back listening to more episodes. Thank you all and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Imperfect Marketing. 
be sure to subscribe and visit KendraCorman.com slash Imperfect Marketing to view the show notes of all my podcast episodes. See you next week. Same time, same place.